All righty. Today on the Tea Podcast, we have the new Downtown Development Authority and Downtown Lafayette Unlimited CEO, Kevin Blanchard. We're going to be talking with him about the role and also kind of what led up to him getting into this role and what his plans are for the future and uh, of downtown and the role. Yeah, so hang out and uh, enjoy the show. So, Kevin, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. So, um, I want to go ahead and get the conversation started in just a second. Let me get my presenting sponsor mentioned. And uh, it is ChaseGroupConstruction.com. So, they are a local uh, design build firm. You can check them out at their website. Like I said, ChaseGroupConstruction.com. Basically, they take the lead and become your one point of contact for the entire design build process. So if you're looking to build something or renovate a business, uh, they have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical centers to popular restaurants and to multi-unit shopping center developments. Check them out. They're local and uh, they support us. All right. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, are you originally from the Lafayette area? Uh, I've been here since college actually my wife heather uh went to ul and i met her here i was going to lsu and okay. she was she was uh roommates with my little brother's girlfriend if that makes any sense and wow. so i kind of fell in love with a girl from lafayette and that's how i ended up here but uh been oh, here since where you are uh, where are you originally from i went to high school in shreveport my dad is a methodist minister so it's hard to okay. say like where are you from because i've lived a lot of places. Yeah, if you don't yeah. know, like Methodist preachers kind of move around a so lot. Is, was he a, an evangelist type of preacher where he go? He went from church to church, or was it, did he have a home church that, that he kept moving? Yeah, the Methodist church like moves you every few years, like okay. just kind of automatically. So I've lived in Kinder, Baton Rouge, Gonzales, uh, lots of places, Kentucky. But so normally I, I say Shreveport, but I was born in Sulphur. I okay. Mean, you know, Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. but it's I'm one of those people. Like by far, I've lived in Lafayette the longest I've lived in ev anywhere else, you know. And I'm not leaving. So when did you come into Lafayette? I was just out of school, so I was probably uh, 22. Yeah. You know, yeah, in the 90s, late 90s. All right, I had, all right. You know, a little bit more hair. <clears throat> so I'm guessing uh, what kept you in Lafayette was uh, the lady. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was it was that, and you know, uh, Lafayette's just one of those places. I think. For a lot of people, uh, not for everybody, but for a lot of people like me, uh, it just clicked. I think it's like the right size. Like it's, you know, I felt like this was, you know, I'm the right size fish in the right size pond, you know, like yeah, the yeah. things that I want to do, I can do here, but I'm not, you know, I have uh, a friend of mine says sometimes Lafayette's like just big Abbeville. And I kind of like that because it, it just feels like a really big, small town. Um, where okay, you, yeah. you, I feel like you can know a lot of people and, and not feel overwhelmed, you know, and, I get that. and people are pretty welcoming and, you know, so that was part of it. And honestly, part of it was, you know, my first job, I was working for the, for the advocate at the Katie Bureau uh, as a newspaper reporter. And that was like a downtown job, you know? And so I, you know, from the beginning was like downtown and kind of, you know, in on that, you know, vibe and what that, yeah. what that was like, you know? So your um, your professional life, you are an attorney and a former journal journalist, mm -hmm. uh, and you've also specialized in urban urban development with your uh, past uh, roles, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, like, do, is that something you went to school for? Like, what did you go to? UL for oh, uh, LSU. I went or I went, LSU. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I know you mentioned UL. That was your uh, yeah. Your, yeah. I mean, uh, you know. I think when I was 17, I went to LSU to party, but, okay. <laughs> but for my degree, it was journalism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and then I did law school a little bit later in life. I think, you know, I started having my wife and I had children and that, that point I realized like I loved being a reporter, but it is not 
a very good way to, to support your family. You know, God bless journalism. You yeah. know, it just does yeah. not pay very well. And so, so law school from there. I'm, right? I'm pretty much there. Yeah, so I was going to say, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you do it, you do it for love. You don't, it's, you don't do it to get rich. You know, that's exactly right. Um, I have other little side gigs that I do that um, help bring in a little bit of other of other household revenue, but. Uh, this is this is definitely a, a base for me. I do get a full time pay on this, but uh, it's it's there's more if you need it, there's especially more, especially exactly. in today's economy. It's uh, I'm like whoa, uh, things have definitely gone up. Um, right. right. So yeah. Um, real quick, how do you think Lafayette was back then compared to now? Like, what do you think has changed or gotten better? Mm-hmm. Like, what's your what's your take on the, Laf- the Lafayette area in the past, give or take 20-something years? That's a good question. You know, I think we sometimes get frustrated when we kind of look at some of the issues that we've been dealing with, and we're like, man, I, you know, I wish there was just finally some movement on this or that. But when you do kind of look back and say, well, where were we in the late 90s? Like, we've come a long way. Yeah. You know, I mean, just in the context of downtown, if you think about it. You know, when I got here in the late 90s, you know, the DLU and the DDA had been doing a really great job. They were about, you know, 10, 15 years old at the time. Um, Downtown Alive had started, and that was a really good way that people were starting to, you know, trying to keep people downtown because at 5 o'clock, you know, after the courthouse emptied out, like, there was nothing downtown, you know. I was here as a 22-year-old, you know, still had energy and wanted to, like, go and do things after 9 o'clock at night, you know, not like I want to do that anymore, but, (laughs) you know, and it was rough, you know, like, there just wasn't a ton to do, and so, you know, what happened downtown, especially in the 90s, was you, you did have some, some clubs and some other entertainment venues that sort of, uh, picked up and kind of carried the weight for a long time, for a long time, that was it, right, if you wanted to do anything downtown, that wasn't about like having having lunch during the day, then it was about going to a club, right? And think about how that's changed. Like Jefferson Street now is like tons of retail, like some of the best shopping, some of the best restaurants. Like I think we take that for granted. Like, you know, uh, you know, and, and when I was, you know, like I miss not having Chris's Po' Boys downtown. Like I actually, like I remember that the other day it was where Pamplona's is now, right? And you used to be able to go to Chris's and get get my half Christmas special with my Dumbo, mm. right? I miss that. But man, like the the number of really great places you can just go eat, you know, not just for lunch, but for dinner uh, downtown is like night and day from where oh, it yeah. was like 20, 20 years ago, you know? So I moved here in 2010 and I don't remember Chris's Po' Boys in downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when Pamplona opened and I, I feel like it was around probably in that area mm-hmm. of time. But, um, I've seen downtown, especially uh, specifically downtown, change a lot from, like you said, kind of majority of the bar scene. And, you know, during the day, it's, you know, professionals, you know, and it's still kind of that it's during the that. day. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But at night, like if you were in downtown at night, you were here to party. Mm-hmm. You know, that, mm-hmm. that's what it essentially felt like. Um, you know, there, there might have been a few shops here and there, but um Downtown's an interesting place for business in general, and you you rely on that walking traffic and that foot traffic. And, you know, over the past, at least since I've been here, you know, it'll be 14 years this summer, um, there's been a big push to try to increase foot traffic in downtown. Mm -hmm. And there's the whole thing about, you know, we need – more people downtown, but we don't have people living downtown. Mm-hmm. We need people to live to be able to walk in downtown, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot right, of people or the egg type thing, right? Right. Yeah. And I, I was going to say that, but I felt like it was so cliche, but it, it is, is true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so over the past fourteen years, man, especially maybe even less, maybe the past five years, uh, re- real estate, you know, being able to live downtown has gotten so much. I don't. Want, I don't want to say easier, but more. Uh, I don't want to say accessible either, but there's there's a lot more space. You have choice. Yes. Right. Look, when when you know <clears throat> 20 years ago, if you wanted to live downtown, 
there were very few options. You know, there were a few of the, the houses and some other things that kind of holdovers, very few actual residential spaces downtown, like little one-off like spots above shops, right? right? They're right. still there and are still like really great spaces, by the way. Like there's some folks who have some really cool places to live downtown. Um, but yeah, we had to fight for a long time as, as a community to figure out like, well, how, how do we like make this available to everyone, you know? And so I was just at this morning, I was at the official ribbon cutting for the Monroe, right? 70 new oh, nice. market rate yeah. units right downtown. Um, the municipal opened last year. They're, they're up to, you know, they're, they're full and, and like, you know, doing great. Yeah. That you was know. the, um, that's right there between Jefferson and Lee, right? It's like that, mm -hmm. that split. In the old federal, yep. old federal yep. building. Uh, Steven Ortego has the Vermilion Lofts. They're doing well. Um, you know, so now we're at a point where we've got, you know, um, more than 140 new residential units downtown and there's more to come. Uh, we actually have a, a residential study that we commissioned um, with this group called uh, uh, Zimmerman Volk. They're a big um, uh, residential market study type firm that looks at like, you know, what's, what sort of demand do you have? And, and they've done a big, uh, big study into Lafayette and sort of the downtown area to give us uh, their opinion about where we stand. And the great thing is, is they, they did the same study a few years ago and a few years before that. And so they can, they, they're actually going to be able to tell us like, not just what's the snapshot for today, but to your point, how is it compared to 2011 and 2017 when they've done these before? Um, we're going to do a lunch and learn later this month where they're going to you know, show us their results. Um, but the reality is there's a, there's demand, you know, yeah. there, and it's not, it's not that, you know, that it's like anything particularly special per se about downtown Lafayette. Downtown's a great place. People just generally want to live in a downtown environment. Any city that you live in, that's a thing that people are gravitating towards, you know? So, uh, I, I agree. Why do you think, um, downtown spots are where you, people want to be? Obviously I can, I think I can help answer that, but I, I want to know, like, from your perspective, like, why, why is downtown a spot that people would like to live? So, look, let me, like, tell you what your day looks like, okay? Yep. You wake up, and you go over and, like, get, like, a biscuit from Mommy Grocery or something, or maybe you walk over to Dwyer's, and you get your breakfast there, and then you walk over to your office, you know, maybe you've got, like, an office office that you got to go to, but maybe right. you work, you know, like, a, more and more people do, you work from home, right? And so maybe like your office for that morning is like Rev where you're going to meet somebody for coffee and like have a few meetings. Then you can like wander into a place for lunch. You following me? Yep. And like you go through your entire day and at no point did you have to like get on Kali Saloom and like <laughs> honk at anybody or get behind the person who's trying to turn left on Johnson Street saying like, who is this person? Right. Yep. You, none of those hassles, none of those bothers you kind of, you know, downtown is just a really big neighborhood and and it's a neighborhood that was built in the way that this is just how we used to build cities right you know right where every, all your shopping all of your offices every all your residential was all walkable all in a place where you kind of like you know you see your butcher and your and your barber like all on the same day right that's the you can we can move closer and closer back to that type of way of life downtown so I have a a question about that, so I'm a I'm gonna write it down real quick okay. because uh, I don't want to lose it because I need to mention my sponsors real quick. But it's a interesting question, and I'm I want your perspective on it. But I won't answer. I won't ask it yet. Okay, good. Let's see. Give me one second, and then <laughs> to yeah. Okay. All right. So it is. Time to mention my sponsors, and and we'll ask that question. And I think it's going to be a good question because I'm I'm curious to hear your perspective on it. So, real quick, we have our sponsors here. It's Music Academy Acadiana.com. That's their website. They help you unleash your musical potential. So if you even have a little bit of potential in music, they can help you foster that and nurture it and help grow it. And if you don't have musical potential, uh, but you have uh, some inclination to want to learn, let's just say there's, there's something that you, you feel like you want to learn music. They can teach students that are, are novices too that have no experience. Uh, you can learn guitar, voice, drums, violin, 
uh, audio production, maybe instruments are not your thing, but you know, you like to work the equipment on the backside and you're a background type of person, uh, they can help you with that. They've sent students to college and major music competitions. Uh, they've even appeared on, like I said, uh, the competitions are uh, American Idol and The Voice, founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson. And he is also a member of the band, the emo cover band, Criers. Uh, check them out. Really cool. Uh, this school is one of the most top rated schools in Lafayette since 2016. They have over 500 students in any given month, uh, just in and out, just learning music and improving. And uh, some, they even have an in-house recording studio. I forgot about that. They, they've recorded several well-known artists. I don't want to mention the names, but uh, they're well-known. I Just rest assured they are. Uh, but their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. And their website, again, is musicacademyacadiana.com. All right. And then, real quick, um, I was supposed to take this sponsor off, but uh, they're, they're still good to me. So I'm going to mention them one more time, and then I will take them off because they're done paying. Unless they want to repay. If you're listening, I'll take more money. But um, say they are electric ele- electronic protection systems. They're EPS-online.com. Uh, if you want a home security system that's a smart home security system, when you know you can control it from your phone or wherever, uh, they can help you with that. Zero down payments, no out-of-pocket expenses, all that good stuff. And they even started whole home water systems. So if your water smells funny or tastes funny or it has a lot of hard water, it just, yeah, bad water, uh, this company can help you get a whole home water system and make your water taste and smell better. They have a referral link that I will show you. It's link.developinglafayette.com slash EPS, or you can just go to EPS-online.com, but make sure you mention that you heard about them from us and maybe we'll get a little extra something from that. But anyway, that is our sponsors. And now on to this question that I have. So this question is, what happened? I don't know when it happened, but what happened to cause people in the downtown cores, however many years ago, to flock to suburban areas, essentially creating, uh, you know, urban sprawl? Mm-hmm. And like, what do? You, what is your take on that? Like, why did that happen? So we, I could do like a whole like hour on that, um, and that is a really good question. But I think I think the the kind of the short answer is uh, I mentioned earlier about you know I think we weren't providing the sort of choices p- before um, that that we provide now. The policies that we have had in place, and it's not just Lafayette; it's across the country. Um, made it easier and easier after the 60s and 70s to build newer subdivisions further and further out, you know, and, and we've seen it here where you've got like a, a you know, a sugarcane field that's, you know, really low, yep. but it's also really cheap, right? And so if you can go and put a few roads in and plop some drainage down and um, and you can get a nice subdivision and with houses that people can afford and that are, you know, um, a, you have the ability to finance through your bank and, you know, that's the system. That's the way everything kind of works. Um, unfortunately, like we looked up in, you know, 2016 here and we're like, man, that, that did not work out well for us long-term, you know, because we had built in all these places that, you know, especially here in Lafayette and South Louisiana are flat and flood prone, Mm. um, you know? And so we kind of, you know, had incentivized through our, through our, you know, um, zoning policy and the way that we, you know, planned for roads and the way that we did not plan for making reinvestments back in the core of the city. And so we ended up with that system. I don't think it was on purpose, right? I think it was on accident. And so when you were like a young professional in the last 30 years and, you know, you were looking for a place to live and, you know, there are always going to be people who are like, I, I can't live downtown. Like I want a yard or yeah, I want some a- people, you know, they, if they have, if their kids are very active, you know, they yeah. want to have a backyard. Right. Yeah. But, but we know that especially at the, the, you know, earlier stage in your career and at the later stage, right? Like I've, I'm getting to the point now, my, my youngest is a sophomore at Lafayette high. Her two sisters are in college. Like at some point we're going to be empty nesters and that downtown option becomes available to me me again. Right. I don't want to have to mow a yard. I don't want to have to do any of that (laughs) crap. Right. Um, and so, 
before and and you know kind of the problem is we we just weren't able to provide in our like system options for those people and so that's what's been happening now yeah. and, and that's why i think why you're starting to see uh some of the movement today because lafayette 10 15 years ago had the had the good forethought to start doing things like changing its codes and a lot of this boring stuff that we all argue about, about the comprehensive plan and about the UDC and about the LDC and all these rules, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, what those were all about were about providing a better, more diverse choice on where people can live and what sort of developments developers are able to do, right? Right. So I think that's, that's where we're at today okay. compared to where we've been. Uh, so that makes sense. So, I mean, the so something I took away, you said that, you, it's not on purpose that we, it feels like we accidentally caused that yeah. for, for one reason or another. And, and then now it sounds, we're, it sounds like we're trying to correct, at least partially correct that, that issue. We had to, I mean, look, I think the 2016 floods were a wake up call for everybody, mm -hmm. you know? And so we've spent was, the last yeah. several years trying to figure out, okay, we think about it for, I, I used to be the public works director for the city for a couple of years. And, was it under Joey Durrell? For Joey. Okay. And, you know, the historically, it wasn't just Joey, it was everybody. The the balance of public infrastructure spending was about new roads and about taking a two-lane road and making it a four-lane road, you know. And so you've got roads like Eras Landry that, you know, I, it's a really big road for not that much traffic, but that was what we were focused on, right? We were like, one day, maybe, you know, we're going to need all these lanes, but we weren't spending money on drainage. Right? right. Well, that has right. shifted. Like since 2016, the shift has moved on these infrastructure projects to like, okay, what are we doing about the drainage issue? And we've taken some of those monies that have been, you know, instead of making it about roads further and further out, we've gone back to the core of the city and we're like, okay, well, how do we fix the infrastructure that we put in place yeah, 50 years ago? The core of the city was also flooding. Right. And, and, and the roads hadn't been fixed in 50 years. And like we hadn't <laughs> been fixing the, the sidewalks and we've been like neglecting a lot of things. Yeah. And so you've seen that happen in the last few years where there's been like a, a, a recognition that that work needs to start happening. So, um, so I'm very hopeful. I've, you know, we've, we've had a lot of those discussions as a community for the last many, many years. And we really are at a point now where we've gotten beyond sort of the initial talk phase and we're just doing the work now. Okay. So you mentioned, um, sidewalks and mm -hmm. other infrastructure in downtown that is uh that needs to be better one one thing is like you mentioned the sidewalks is there are some sidewalks that look like the tectonic plates have shifted yeah and like you know for wheelchair accessible uh environments that's that's not mm -hmm. good at all mm -hmm. um with your role now as ceo of uh, downtown Development Authority and DLU, is that something that you're able to help in? Like, what what is your role comprised of as far as downtown goes? I mean, you said you were in public works under Joey Durrell, um, and then now you're in this position. Like, how does that how does that former role translate into where you're at now? I mean, you're also part of uh, LPTFA, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, how do your former roles translate to what you're doing now? I, you know, I think if there is a strength to sort of the different things that I've done in my career up to this point is that I do understand how, um, how the government works and how some of these systems work and what it takes to do a public infrastructure project. And, um, and so my role at the DDA is to work with LCG um, and others to look at these infrastructure projects. You're talking about like the sidewalks and like, how are we going to tackle that? You know, we actually have some projects in the early stages right now, in the design stages, um, to completely redo the streetscape, the the sidewalks, the landscaping uh, along Vermilion and Lee, right? The same way that we did on Jefferson, yeah, right. Um, where will the end result is a much more walkable, much more accessible um, uh, environment? We also have these areas um, on sort of our more minor streets or side streets where um, it's going to be a challenge. You know, we have in these areas um, where we've got these carriage curbs and it's literally what, you know, it's it, what it sounds like, right? It's when people rode carriages, they made the sidewalk high enough that you could like step off the carriage 
you know, onto okay. the sidewalk. Okay, I never right? realized that's why they so, were so tall. Yeah, so yeah. you're like Main Street, like by Cathedral, yep. between Cathedral and the courthouse, you know, and they're like two feet high. Like that's what those are. Okay. Well, those are not ADA accessible. Those are not easy <laughs> to handle, right? No, you're, yeah, you're right. And, and so we're bit by bit going through those areas and, and just literally thinking, what is a creative solution to make this a more accessible uh, environment for everybody? Uh, but it takes money and it takes planning. Um, and, and so that's kind of what our job is at the DDA is to be assisting the city in getting out ahead of some of those issues and, and identifying the projects and the money to do them. Yeah. So we had a comment come through about four minutes ago uh, from a Macklin LaFleur. Uh, says, yeah, bring downtown back. Good eating places for sure. Need more shopping stores. Uh, hate College Saloon and Johnson Street. Let's add to Northside by Target or Karen Crow. Uh, plenty of land out in that area, which is kind of going back to the urban sprawl format. But still, um, the Northside is pretty much the neighbor of downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to, I, I guess I want to kind of touch on that w- in regards to downtown. Is there anything that in your role or in, in your connections that would benefit the north side of Lafayette? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. So, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we started trying to get people to understand that downtown was sort of surrounded by a moat, right? You had Congress Street and, Je- and Johnson Street and the Thruway, and those are these, you know, big, large highways, yep. you know? That are this physical cutting through. Yeah. Physical barrier between downtown and the neighborhoods on either side of downtown. Right. Um, And we've I I think we've finally gotten uh, everybody to kind of understand what what we mean, at least in the physical context. Right. Well, it's too hard to cross the street and it's too hard. You know, those, you know, Freetown and Laplace, when they developed as neighborhoods, they developed as part of downtown. There was there was no like easy dividing line between where was downtown and where was Laplace. It was just at some point the buildings got a little bit bigger and you knew you were kind of in downtown at that point. Right. Right. Like those, those streets, when we laid those out, that those were when we started kind of making those boundaries for ourselves. But in the eighties, when we put the literal like legal boundaries of the downtown development authority together, we put them on those streets. And so in a way we've sort of, you know, boxed ourselves in from more than just a physical standpoint it's from a kind of a philosophical standpoint too and so what what i've started talking to folks about and i think that everybody is in agreement is you know we are stronger together downtown macomb freetown laplace all of those neighborhoods that are our neighbors yeah you know those neighborhoods are downtown neighborhoods you know that is the way they they were established that's the way that they will be the strongest. That's the way that downtown will be the strongest. And so I, I am never going to see my job. And I don't think anybody downtown sees, sees their interests as well, you know, on this side of Congress street, it's our problem. And on this side of Congress (laughs) street, it's not our problem. Right. Um, And so, yes, a win for the North side, a win for the oil center, a win for UL, any of these areas that are in the core of the city of Lafayette, you know, I, I'm going to try desperately to get more residential downtown. And I'm going to try desperately to get a hotel downtown. But if there's a hotel that opens up in Freetown or a hotel that opens up in Macomb on the thruway, that's a win for downtown. Okay. And I will, and I will work to make that happen too. Does that make yeah, any sense? No, no, it makes perfect sense. It's interesting when you, when anytime I write about downtown or the, the neighborhoods adjacent to downtown, essentially like plus, you know, Macomb Vise and all those other places and Puerto Rico, Freetown, um, they, I, whenever I reference the, like the local area that like I try to, whenever like if, in my headline, I'll say, uh, you know, something's coming up in this area near downtown mm-hmm. because some, those neighborhoods are proud of their neighborhood's identity, mm-hmm. like Laplace, mm-hmm. especially like there's been a couple of times whenever I wrote about a construction site or a project happening in the Laplace neighborhood when I would say that it's either in downtown or near downtown, which I use those sometimes interchangeably. And I would get told like, no, this is in the Laplace neighborhood. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But it's also, it's like right there by downtown. It's yeah. like so close. Yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to get to a point where, you know, those, all those things coexist because the reality is like, that's, that's the most natural way to think about all this. Right. You know? It really is. 
You know, it's kind of, when you think about it, it's really artificial to think about that Johnson Street or Congress Street is somehow some sort of important dividing line. Right? I know, I know. Like and it's, it's, you know, people in Laplace shop, people in Laplace, like, have, have work to get to. Like, a, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there, as Laplace grows, so does downtown. Yeah. And vice versa. No, no, and I agree with that. Um, I want to go back to um, the LPTFA position. So that's where you just came from, mm-hmm. um, and you were the first ever executive director of that. And it's so if you don't know what LPTFA stands for, uh, and you're scratching your head, it's Lafayette Public Trust Financing Authority. Very it's good. a little a lo- little bit of a mouthful, but um, Kevin, I want you to explain. Partly because I'm also curious is what is LPTFA's role in Lafayette? Like, what is it? What does it do? What is it for? And why were you the first ever executive director? Like, sure. So every uh, city about the size of Lafayette or bigger in Louisiana has a similar organization. Uh, It's a public trust, and they're a creature of state statute. So there's one in Baton Rouge, there's one in New Orleans, one in uh, Calcasieu, one in Shreveport. Um, The the one here in Lafayette is one of the larger ones in the state and one of the more active public trusts in the state. It's a community development investment organization. Okay. Quasi-public. Uh, everything that the trust does is, you know, subject to open meetings law and public records and public bid, the whole bit, um, but no outside money. So the every trust has a superpower, if you will, that they have the ability to go to the state bond commission and, and issue bonds, effectively borrow money. And so back in the 70s and 80s, the, the public trust here issued some bonds and relent that money in the form of mortgage loans and first-time homebuyer loans to thousands of people built up a great deal of assets over the years. And so cut to about five, six years ago, this had been a volunteer led organization that had, um, you know, for example, gave like a $3 million gift to Monkus park. That was one of the first big gifts to Monkus park to get that work going, uh, help build the Rosa parks transportation center, help finance the SLCC construction, help finance some student housing at UL. Um, but in kind of a, a secondary role, right. Um, the board decided uh, four or five years ago that it was time to get a little bit more active. They owned some property in Laplace uh, near downtown, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so they hired me as the first executive director uh, to, to sort of run the day-to-day. Uh, but what we did there was kind of take some of that property and put it back into commerce. And so we had an old warehouse that we renovated into the headquarters for Schoolmint, which is a software company yep. that relocated here. From California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had uh, 70, just built and opened 70 new um, market rate units at the Monroe and Lafayette. Um, that was a project. That and that's also did. technically in the Laplace neighborhood. In the Laplace neighborhood <laughs> near downtown. <laughs> You've seen a trend right yes. there. So the Laplace area, uh, I mean, it, like you said, it's contributing to downtown. And it's, I mean, it's almost fair to say that it's part of downtown. Yeah, I, I just think of like all of those places as like, you know, um, neighbors, part of the same neighborhood. Yeah. You know, yeah. and in a way that if like, you know, I live in Oaklawn. You know, and so I think I'm sure when you're in Oakland, you're like, okay, well, I'm on like this side of Congress Street or this side of St. Mary or whatever. Everyone else is just like you're in the St. Streets, right? You know, like it's, you know, yeah, the further out you get, the more, you know, the more everybody seems like, you know, it's a little bit nuts that we get so uh, so caught up in like where the exact roads are. But yeah, and there's a lot of great things happening in Laplace. And and so the trust was um, and is uh, active and all that. But it does other stuff. Yeah. the Morgan Freeman movie that was in yeah town, yeah like that was recent. The trust helped finance that movie. Um, you know, they're, they've they've just started some uh, new a new lending program for folks who are trying to start small businesses in disinvested areas. Um, they the trust we spun off a separate nonprofit to do that lending. It's called Uplift. Um, so there's just it's a lot of good stuff, and I was really very much enjoying all that work. I still love the trust. I love like what's been able to accomplish. Um, this is just a really good opportunity. I just couldn't pass yeah. this up. So uh, I want to touch on the opportunity at hand that you were able to secure. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several, like there was a whole application 
thing where people, the, multiple multiple people signed up or, or applied for the, the position. I think it was an application process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are multiple names in the bucket. And with the 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 former uh, CEO, Anita Begnode, whose shoes may never be filled completely mm-hmm. unless unless uh, unless I'll, I, I could be proven wrong. But I feel like you could do that. But she was a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. She was, she was just very, very. She had a good, strong personality for the position. She, she didn't, um, she didn't let anybody seemingly run over her. Like she was, she stood her ground, and mm-hmm. that's what that's what I got from her. And I've had multiple meetings with her, especially for the Performing Arts Center that um, downtown was pushing for. And I, I, I don't know the status of that because I know that they were. Uh, renderings and everything that were pushed out and we're trying to do that. But um, so what, so I guess where I'm going with this is with the outgoing CEO and you coming in, Mm -hmm. um, where do you see things that Anita succeeded at and where do you see things that could be focused on more now that there's a new, a new role? Yeah. I love that question. I love that question because Anita is like one of my dear friends and, you know, a couple of people have said, Oh, you've got big shoes to fill. And I'm like, I don't think of Anita's shoes as big. I think of them as like never stopping moving. Oh yeah. Right. Yes. Like Anita was just like, was, I mean, she's still around as it's like, she's, but in she's Virginia. She's, so yeah. she's dead to me, but like, you know, <laughs> she's still around and until she comes back to Lafayette, you know? Right. Um, no, she, she, Anita is one of the most energetic, just absolute go-getter sort of people that I've ever known in my life. And, and the, you know, in so many ways, she just kind of took downtown and put it on her back and was like, we're going to like, just power our way through this thing. Right. Um, I am very impressed and with the staff that Anita built, you know, Anita has put together a lot of folks don't kind of realize this, but I'm the CEO of two organizations, technically. There's the DDA, which is sort of the quasi-public agency that uh, has the millage and is able to do some some of the development-type things. And then there's the DLU that runs the Downtown Live event and that does a lot of our outreach and policy and advocacy stuff. And so that's total. It's a staff of about seven people. And that staff that Anita put together really is like a remarkable, talented group of people. They had to be because they had to keep up with Anita, right? Right. There's no no other way to do it. Like if you're going to keep up with Anita, you better have your act together. Yeah. yeah. Um, Some good shoes on. Yeah. You know, Um, the and and I think that's going to free me up um, to really focus on some very key issues um, that in a lot of ways, I think of as Anita has teed up and, and if she had not had that great opportunity to go elsewhere, this, this is the work that she would be doing right now. Yeah. Um, one is we've, we've really got to get a control, uh, a handle on what happens after 10 o'clock at night downtown. Right. We still talk about the bar scene, still. bar scene, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad that we have all this activity. I'm not complaining about that, but we still need to get to a point where it feels a little bit more ordered, a little bit more in control. You know, I think there's still too much of an element. And I think the police would tell you this. I think the bar owners would tell you this. Um, I think the folks that come down uh, to party at 10, 11 o'clock, one o'clock at night would tell you this. We still haven't figured out the right balance between having a good time and and having what everyone would feel is a safe, clean environment, right? So we've got to we've we've got to tackle that. That's that's on the list. Okay, so that's one big issue. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I didn't know that that was a big issue still. Um, so how does it compare? I know this is big comparison, um, but I'm using it as an example. Um, so you have New Orleans, and you have Bourbon Street and all that. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. going to Bourbon Street. Uh, for a lot of people, can be uh, fun, but it also, for some, can be the biggest anxiety mm-hmm. that you can have mm-hmm. because there's so many people, and New Orleans is just even more culturally different. And uh, with the amount of people, like you just never know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you compare that? And and for the most part, New Orleans Bourbon Street has felt pretty orderly. Like, there's tons of police presence. There's tons of light. Um, and if you don't walk the entire street up and down over and over and over and you stay kind of in a pocket or in like in one business, it feels relatively fine. Mm-hmm. 
What about Lafayette seems unorderly? Like, give me, like, what is your uh, examples for that? Well, certainly we're not Bourbon Street. Yeah, right. And and, and nor should we, you know, that the Bourbon Street should be Bourbon Street. And, like, when people want to do that, they should go to New Orleans and do Bourbon Street. Yeah. Um, I think what it is is if we're going to have a, a really finally crack the code and get the full complement of residential uses downtown and 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 all the things that come with that right the 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 all the amenities that people talk about you know I want more more produce and you know better you know restaurants or whatever right the more places to get your hair cut right all the things that people are like I want this in a neighborhood we're going to have to look and feel a little bit more like a neighborhood and and you know you haven't gone out on a Saturday night at midnight, probably in a while. Downtown. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> um, and, and but I have two 19 year olds at home, okay. and, I, and I can tell you they do. Okay. Right? Yeah. And and there are a lot of there's a lot of that activity happening in downtown Lafayette, and you know we've got again this is not I think I started this whole thing off talking about like the late 90s and like the situation night and day from that right yeah we're, we're not talking about the strip okay right. But we still are at a point where we have not reached, and, and I think the police would tell you this and everything else, we are still getting better at, but have not reached the point where we feel like we have a handle on um, how folks, for example, don't congregate in parking lots all night. Okay. Right? We have a lot of that sort of activity where kids aren't really coming to, like, go to one of the establishments. They're coming to, like, see their friends. And hang out. And hang out. And now we've got 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 kids who don't, most of them, quite frankly, are not from Lafayette. We've got a lot of, like, regional of sort of yeah. draw. Yeah. Um, and they're coming to hang out in our parking lots. Well, we're not equipped to handle that downtown, right? You talk about Bourbon Street. Like, they've developed a sort of an operational infrastructure on, okay, well, we know that this is a draw. We know that it's, it's worth it, right? We have the tourism dollars to show. Yeah, yeah. And so here's how we're going to manage that. And here's how we're going to like take care of that. Well, for the number of clubs we have and for the capacity that they have, we should be able to manage that. But that's not what's happening on our streets. We actually have so much more activity happening on our streets. That's not getting into the bars and actually spending money in our downtown. Right. And so we've got to get a handle on that and we've got to figure out um, how are we going to manage that? Because, quite frankly, when people come in and they're and I'm trying to sell them on residential living, then I need to follow through on that. And there are things that happen past midnight downtown that even in a downtown living environment, like, you know, you're not, you're not moving out into the country, like yeah, out yeah. with the cows and like, you know, there's going like, to be noise. Yeah, there's going to yeah. be noise. There's going to be everything. But we can still do better. And okay. so that's going to be on our list is how do we, you know, again, working with LCG, working with the police, working with the bar owners, working with the restaurant owners, working just as a giant business community all together. Um, how do we make sure that we're providing the best experience for everybody um, across the board? Okay. Yeah, I like that. Um, so kind of stemming from that, um, what about the this is a, per, a perceived issue and I don't know, I don't really think it's that big of an issue. I don't know if you know where I'm headed with this is people, when anytime downtown is mentioned in the news or in a development that I'm talking about, people that live in the country that are happy with quiet, no fuss issues, whenever they come to downtown, you know, maybe they have jury duty or maybe they have, there's a, a business that they want to go to they experienced the one-off, maybe a couple of occasions where somebody who's less fortunate than them mm -hmm. um, approaches them, asking either for money or a lot of times, even my personal experience, it's, it's very frequent times I see the same people approaching me and I, I start to recognize them and remember their names. And every single time, they're just looking to earn money either cleaning a window or mm -hmm. maybe you have, a, if you have an office, like, can I clean your office windows? Can I clean your car windows? Mm -hmm. And there, he just, they want some, they want change or some money from that. Um, so I guess my question is for a lot of people, they would call it homelessness. Some people call it houselessness, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what a, is that situation a real situation or is that something that you guys are looking at? Like, what does that look like for downtown? 
absolute real situation. Okay. Now, I think that sometimes people don't always know how to talk about it and might have sort of the, the misperception might be about exactly what the problem is and, and what to do about the problem. But the reality is, is we're, we are, as a community, having a crisis of homelessness right now. Um, Catholic Charities has kind of, uh, you know, raised the red flag a few months ago and has brought in um, some experts, and they're kind of leading, like, this panel discussion with some agencies and, and folks in the city, people that are, you know, uh, charged to do this. But, yeah, when, when, earlier when I'm talking about, like, you know, the boundaries between Laplace, Freetown, downtown are not that important, this is one of those issues where we all – uh, are feeling the same sort of pressure right now. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons, but you know the numbers are, uh, for whatever reason, post-COVID, Louisiana has one of the highest increases in the homeless population in the country, by far. Wow. By far. And so it's not just us, it's Baton Rouge, it's New Orleans, it's the whole state. And so, you know, across the board, those agencies that are, that are dealing with those folks have had, you know, are... are are up to here and are having a hard time like keeping up with it. And you're seeing, you're starting to see that spill out what people um, who, who work and provide services to that population say, it's just, it's more visible now, right? Uh, the, the, the people um, that are uh, in need of services are, are out there more because there's more of them. Um, and there's also some logistical things that are happening right now in the city that are making it difficult. So, that is a conversation that we're going to be actively involved in. Now, I do think that people's perception sometimes of what am I supposed to do about that or how should I feel about that is a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think that you, like me, know that like 99.9% of people are just people, like these are folks who have fallen on a hard time and just, yeah. you know, are just trying to get by like everyone else, right? And And the reason why folks like that end up often in a downtown environment is because that's where a lot of people are. Yeah. And like you kind of congregate to a space like that. But, you know, no, the reality is like that is a conversation that we're going to have to be engaged in uh, at downtown. We are helping um, along with the community foundation, helping co-sponsor some of those discussions with the Catholic charities. Um, but that's an issue. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you, you talked on that. Cause uh, it was something that I, I see often in comment sections and about downtown, and uh, a lot of people use that as the one and only reason that they don't want to come to downtown, aside from the perceived notion that there's no place to park, which there's plenty of parking. Plenty of parking. Yeah, plenty, plenty of parking. parking. And plenty of great walks. That's the great thing about parking downtown is even if you had to like walk a block to get to where you want to go, there's something to see while you're taking a walk, oh, yeah. you know? So what's interesting is you can walk, if, as long as you're able-bodied, you can walk downtown in like less than 20 minutes, 30 minutes, like all up and down Jefferson and see the entire strip. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's that's not a big issue. I think a lot of people say it's a big issue. And I think pre, was it Park Mobile? Mm -hmm. I think it was also a bigger issue for people that just didn't carry cash or change. Mm -hmm. I I hated going to downtown before uh, Park Mobile because I never had change. And, and at that time, they, I don't think credit cards or cards were used or unless they had changed it recently. But, um, yeah, I was like. It's very convenient now. Yeah, I, it was yeah. super convenient. Like if you if you have a card, you can pay with card. You can still pay with change. And I use the app. Even Yeah, there's like a $0.35 cent, uh, convenience fee to use it. But. I pull up my phone, I look at the number at the thing, boom, I'm parked, and I can max it out to two hours, and it's $1.50 for two hours. And if I have a meeting that's a productive meeting, that $1.50 doesn't matter. Right. Or if I'm meeting some people for lunch, it's, it, you know, I include it as part of the lunch budget or whatever. Right, right, um, right. So I know we're at about 45 minutes or so here. Um, I kind of want to start closing off by asking you, um, what are some fun things that you see happening in downtown over the next two to three years? Like, what are some things that people should be looking out for and um, enjoying? I love this question. All right. So one big thing is going to be pay attention to Vermilion Street, right? I think that most folks, when you think about downtown, the picture in your head is Jefferson Street, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, cypress trees, streetscape, the whole bit, right? Um, but the reality is, is like, you know, there's a lot more land mass to downtown than just Jefferson Street. Um, and there's a lot happening right now in Vermilion. And so, you know, 
um, the retail along Vermilion, Wild Child Wines, and, and that whole area. Gave is great and has been there for a while. French Press. French Press. Yeah. But we just had our uh, Small Business Challenge winner in the Sans Souci building. That's going to be great. You know, uh, Magnolia Pantry. It's going to be like pies and gourmet teas and adult beverages. And we're going to... They're going to build like a little wraparound porch along that old historic building. You can go look at the new playground that uh, is about to open, thanks to a lot of really great. Yeah, um, and that's an accessible playground, right? An accessible yeah. playground for, for kids of all abilities um, to go and be able to use. Um, that's going to be opening soon. That was funded in large part by charitable donations. Um um, then you've got the Ashby Crossing, you know, the old Don's yeah. building right there. Yeah. Those, That's exciting. Those guys are like blowing and going and I'm, you know, I'm excited. I think they're going to be making an announcement soon about some of their plans. I'm sure you're on that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it. Yeah. So like, you know, a lot of stuff happening just around that park. And I think that, you know, we've got, we've got some infrastructure plans too, to sort of do some bigger streetscapes on that area. So yeah. I'm very excited about that. Um, I, I am, you know, I have no specific leads. I have not the sort of, you know, not saying this because I got some sort of like, you know, yeah, yeah inside yeah. track. But I think that we are at a point where there's going to be a hotel downtown. In the okay. next two or three years, I think that that deal is, is, is going to happen. And I'm like saying this publicly just because I'm just going to say it. But Anita was also confident about it. And I'm just telling you, I've talked to enough people in the industry. There's room in our market. And that's just, you know, a larger, you know, we have a few hotel rooms downtown, but yeah, we can, the Juliet, yeah. yeah, but we can, we can accommodate a lot more. And yeah. so I've had some outreach from folks who have, have been talking about it. And I just, I think that's going to happen. I don't, I don't have like a, a prediction of where or when or who or anything else, but like, I think that's going to happen. And, it, and if you think about it, it makes sense. It, have, it makes perfect we sense. We have the, the largest free music <clears throat> You know, international festival, festival international. In All right. Like you, you know, I can't tell you how many like hotel developers in the last you know few months that I've talked to, and they're like, "Well, do you have any draws?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't know, Festival International." And they're like, "Oh, you know, you explain to them what it is," and they're like, "Oh, okay, well, yeah, 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 and thousands like, of people." And they're, and they're like, "Well, where is that?" And you're like, "Oh, it's downtown." And they're like, "Oh, it's in your downtown." And you're like, "Yeah." yeah. And they're like, "Yeah, oh, okay, block well, off the street." You know, and they're taking <laughs> notes, right? So I think that's going to happen. Um, we're going to have, uh, on March 13th, one of Katie is bringing in a guy named Jeff Speck. He's going to talk about walkability, and he's going to focus specifically on making better connections between UL and downtown. Yeah. And I think the possibilities of, I mean, they did a survey uh, of UL students uh, over the last year or two because the school was trying to get a feel on, like, you know, what's your experience like while you're here, and, like, why would you stay or why would you not stay? And so one of the questions they asked was, like, uh, how far away is downtown, right? Right. And the average answer was like four miles, right? Because it seems so far away. Like yeah, it's, it's not. It does not seem like an easy thing to do to get downtown from campus. But it's I mean, like pretty much catacorner. It's pretty much, yeah, they're pretty much like connected, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, so March 13th, for part of the CivicCon event, one of Katie Ann is going to bring in Jeff Speck, who like literally wrote the book on walkability and economic development. And, and what's great is that UL is involved in this conversation and we're involved in this conversation. And so I think for the next year or two, we're going to be talking pretty detailed about like, you know, whether it's McKinley, Johnson Street, St. Landry, Congress, like how do we start knitting together the campus, you know, with the rest of the community in a way that, you know, there's a ton of potential there if you start thinking about like the for for what type of university activities could be happening you know in campus or downtown and, and vice versa uh, you know? uh, so i'm very excited about that i'm excited about a lot of that stuff dude it sounds exciting mostly excited i can't i will get like fussed out at the office if i don't remind people tonight is the first downtown alive there you go um six o'clock parks on Souci. lovers is the band um, I'm almost 50 years old, so I'm not going to pretend to be cool enough <laughs> to say that I've seen them before, but right. all of like the millennial and Gen Zers in the office are very psyched and very pumped about this group. And they told me that they, they toured before with Cowboy Mouth and I know Cowboy Mouth. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah. I figure they're pretty cool. Okay. So I'm excited about that. That's tonight at six. Nice. Uh, and I just put the website up on the screen, but I'll put it again. It's down, check out downtownlafayette.org. Uh, I think you have an events page on there with all the stuff happening, especially with downtown alive. Um, also 
Um, I think it's fair to mention, um, of course, the the many different festivals that happen in downtown, not just Festival International, but the the Po' Boy Festival and all these other oh, yeah. other things. Also, uh, in the middle of this month, I think March 16th is Patty in the Park. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned millennial and uh, Gen Z, but I, I think you're Gen X. Yeah. But you might you might know this. I'm Gen X. You know Paul Wall, right? Do you know who Paul yeah. Wall is? I mean, okay. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like not have a memory blank in front of like, okay, okay, right okay, now, sorry. Let me, let me, okay. Uh, there's a song called Sitting Sideways. He's from Texas. He's a Houston rapper. Uh, oh, okay, so it may gonna, not be your you're genre. Gonna, you're gonna, yeah, you're going to pull a rapper on me. <laughs> it may not be your genre, but he is the people's champ. Let me okay. just tell you, All right. he is the people's champ and he is the coolest guy like he's he's getting up there in age and uh, and he's got tons of gray hair so he was he's probably more in line with uh your age range <laughs> I'm, not, I'm trying to be sensitive here <laughs> but look no you look great for your age uh and you got a lot of spunk uh look i'm i'm approaching 40 so i'm feeling the the the, the age burn here okay especially with all the 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 gen z activity happening and um, they're so exhausting that is true, and I think I'm still able to keep up for now. God, <laughs> for now. God. But uh, I'm in an age where I'm starting to feel like I'm still young, but I'm also like I'm almost 40, and I'm starting to feel like, oh, my God, like I like staying home now. <laughs> but it's weird because now that there's, there's trends on TikTok saying that Gen Z looks older for their age than millennials do. And there's like comparisons of like current millennials and how they look like they're in, still in their late twenties yeah. and Gen Zers look like they're in their late thirties. Yeah. And it's funny to see that. And there's like thought processes behind it. Like the Gen Zers are more stressed out about stuff. But and when you're old, you, they all look like children to you. <laughs> they that's, do. That's what they happens. Do. That's when you'll know, right? You're like, I'm not old yet, but you'll know when you, when you see that and you're like, I don't see a difference. <sighs> I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And I'm raising a Gen Alpha kid. Oh, it started all like, over. Yeah, that's the um, whole thing now. Look, Gen Alpha kids are something else. And Gen Z are, Gen Z kids are deathly afraid of the Gen Alpha kids. I, well, I, I need to find something that my Gen Z kids are deathly afraid of because they're <laughs> definitely not deathly afraid of me. You know? No, no, no. But Gen Alpha, let me tell you, those kids, they're, 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 they're referenced as the uh, tablet kids raised up on iPads and tablets. <laughs> so let's just... So like the sociopath generation? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I do not want my kid to be that. Let me just tell you, I'm trying my best to limit screen time. It is, it is difficult because that's his form of playing games and stuff like that. Uh, so we I, are careful. I don't know, man. I played a lot of Nintendo when I was growing up. Oh, I me think, too. I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. But uh, especially with YouTube, we do limit what he watches on YouTube. We're trying to like let him know, like, hey, if you hear anything talking about this, you know, cut it back. Yeah. Uh, he's really good at uh, monitoring what he watches, and he knows that we're listening. Yeah. But, yeah, and I know we got on a, a tangent here, but I love everything that's happening with downtown over the past 14 years that I've lived here. Uh, it's been a great progression of things. I know there's – I think there's been – if I can remember, you're the third CEO of DDA. Before Anita, there was um, – oh, I can't even remember Jeff his Dyer, name. Jeff Dyer, Nathan Jeff, Norris, yes. and then Kathy Weber, who was here for, like, 20 years. Okay. Yeah. So I remember – I know the three. So um, Jeff – Anita and you. Uh, before that, I, mm-hmm. I have no no connection. But um, I look forward to seeing what you do with downtown and DLU and your staff. I'm excited for that. And I look forward to all the, the developments and the potential of a hotel. That's really exciting. Yeah, I'm hyping it up, man. Yeah. So, like, let's do it, right? Yeah. Well, look, I'll be here, man. If you have anything that you need to send me to help promote downtown Lafayette development-wise, and if there's any events that may align with that, uh, I'm your guy, man. Send them over. Well, look, I'm a seriously big fan. Like, I appreciate have, that. Have, like, since, like, the first time, like, years ago when you started this, I was like, damn, that was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not the first time I hear that. You know, I was like... Man, that is a really good idea. Like he's gonna kill it. <laughs> Look, we're doing all right. Uh, I, I I wish I could kill it a little bit stronger, but um, over the past five years, we've really uh, strengthened up our brand per se, and mm-hmm. just, you know, really yeah. solidifying that we're here to promote the city, promote small businesses, and we also promote bigger businesses that are not small 
businesses or local business, but because you need all of that mm-hmm. in a functioning city to to kind of work together. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm doing my best, man. I'm I, glad I get, you're doing it. I get flack sometimes for posting certain businesses, and uh, I do my best with it. But I do appreciate you. That. Keep it real, man. I appreciate it. Uh, like you obviously like love what you do, and I love. That. I do. I do. I love what I do. Uh, so if, if there's any sponsors out there that would <laughs> that loves what we do too. Uh, I'll definitely take sponsor money and we'll make it work. We'll make it work. All right. Uh, Kevin, man, it was great having you on. I'm excited about the, the, the future of downtown Lafayette. And also I am grateful for all the predecessors that, um, came before you and have blazed the path to get you where you are now. And I'm excited to see what you do. Same. Thanks, man. All right, man. Uh, Guys, that is all we have today. If you want to listen to it after the fact, it's going to be on YouTube as well. Uh, Video format. um, It's also going to be on Spotify. You can watch it or listen to it there. Uh, And, of course, it's on Apple Podcasts and all these other places that you can find your podcast, wherever you want to go. But uh, with that, um, that is it. We hope you have a great day. And, again, Kevin, uh, have a great weekend. Thanks. All right. You'll have a good one.